This is Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho, featuring inspirational and fascinating personal stories of people from all corners of the globe who are now in St. Louis. We'll take a look at the U.S. through newcomers' eyes, get some insight into world history and cultures, and maybe learn something about ourselves. Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL. Welcome to Stories of New Americans at Newstalk STL. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm joined by Mladen Radoyev, who is originally from Bulgaria. So thank Hi, everybody. You, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me here, Ron. I'm really excited. My first time in a studio, so uh, we'll and see how it's going to go. But I hope that your audience will learn a little bit more about Bulgaria. I'm sure they will. And it's taken us a long time to set this up. I mean, you were one of the first ones I'd called about being on the show and we finally were able to work out our schedule so we can do it. So I'm glad you're here. And um, first question I usually ask people is um, where Bulgaria is located on the map for people that might not be familiar. Can you talk about where it is, what countries it borders? Yeah, absolutely. So Bulgaria is in the southeast part of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, one of uh, it, its eastern border is the Black Sea and then to the north is the Danube River. Um, otherwise, the countries that border with Bulgaria uh, in the north is Romania. Then uh, Greece and Turkey are in the south. And then in the west are Serbia and Republic of Macedonia. Mm. Okay, so a lot of cultural influences too, probably. Oh, yes, that that's right. And that's the Balkan Peninsula, right? right. This is uh, southeast Europe. Yeah. Okay, let, let's talk a little bit about Bulgaria, the history, and then we'll talk about your personal story. Um and I, I was doing some research about this, and I, I read, tell me if I'm right, the oldest town in Europe is in Bulgaria. Maybe it's not there anymore, but the oldest town, Sol, Solnitsata, is that it? Solnitsata? Yeah. Yes. What well, that, that's interesting, and uh, it is one of the oldest cities in Europe. Uh, I don't necessarily know. I heard know it was this. the oldest, but maybe I heard, maybe. I, I think... I still would claim that the oldest city is in Bulgaria, but it's not Solnitsata. It's called <laughs> it's it's Plovdiv. Really? It's used, yes, it used to be called Filipopolis. Okay. And uh, it's about there are artifacts that were found there about six thousand to eight thousand years wow. BC. While the Solnitsata, I think it's about uh, forty six hundred or yeah. or forty five yeah. uh, hundred. Yeah. Uh, there are different parts of the country. In both cases. Uh, there were Thracian uh, in, in these areas. One is closer to the northeast, where Varna is, mm-hmm. and this is the Solnitsata, uh, while Plovdiv is uh, more into the um, southwest, more southern part of Bulgaria. And there was a Macedonian influence there, and uh, over the time, it's six 8,000 uh, years BC, so there were a lot of different influences by Macedonian, Thracian, uh, Slav people, Romans. even Celtics and Romans, yes. Mm-hmm. And you, you, well, I guess Bulgaria would be considered a Bulgarian, Bulgarian language would be considered a Slavic language. Bulgaria is a Slavic country. And I, the Slavs, I read, came to this area, the Balkans, around 500 AD. And, um, you know, Bulgaria, I think you and I talked about this before, Bulgarian, the Bulgarian church is older than the Russian church. Is that right? And this is right, yes. Yeah. I, I think that only the, the Greek Orthodox is older than the Bulgarian church because it stemmed out from, from right. the Byzantine uh, church at that time. Um, and uh, 
Bulgarian was established as a country in the 7th century, yeah. 681. Um, and very quickly after that, uh, the kings realized that if they want to establish themselves uh, um, as rulers, uh, only the military might is not enough. They needed to develop culturally and religiously. Uh, and uh, under King Boris, I think in the um, 865, uh, the Bulgarians took Christianity. Um, and later, the, the Bulgarian church actually spun out of the Byzantine and Roman at that time, and it was uh, under the influence of Simeon the Great. I would say that the ninth, ninth century was one of the greatest uh, century for the history of the country. A lot of good things happened at that time. Bulgaria has a really rich history. It Very does. powerful over the at different times in history. Unfortunately, it remained in the history mostly, but but yeah. that's true. I mean, yeah. we have been in a part uh, um, of the world that was uh, very complex politically, geographically, but there were time of greatness for the mm-hmm. country. And uh, usually th- that was the period that I was referring to. It was uh, the ninth centuries uh, mm-hmm. under the Simeon the Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the time when the country got to its uh, largest territorial expansion. It was on three different seas at that time. Asian, Adriatic, Black Sea, mm. uh, and it was really mighty um, military, culturally. Uh, this is when the um, Orthodox Church spun out from the Greek one, and this is when the, the Cyrillic alphabet was uh, created as well. Yeah, talk about that, the Cyrillic alphabet. Yeah, there is a common misconception that the Cyrillic alphabet was created uh, in Russia, and it's not true. Actually, it was created in Bulgaria, um, during this period of time uh, by Kirill and Methodi. Um, and it was in- extremely important because, as I mentioned, the military power was not enough. Uh, at that time, the church had uh, very significant influence politically as well. Uh, and it was clear to the rulers that uh, we need a common language. And uh, uh, the influence through the Latin and Greek uh, through the church was too strong politically as well. And part of the reason uh, the the language was created uh, was to be able to translate all these uh, different uh, religious scripts mm-hmm. in a in, in a language that will be common for the for the people of the country. Mm-hmm. So this alphabet, the Cyrillic alphabet, we call it, is used for Bulgarian and and Russian and Serbian, Ukrainian. That's right. Macedonian, probably. Yes, I, I believe so. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think so. Okay. Now um, later. The Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Turkish Empire, gained control of much of the Balkans and much of southeastern Europe. And um, I found it interesting that although you know Bosnia was also part of the Ottoman Empire, and Bosnia today is about forty-five percent Muslim, as a I guess a result of the Ottoman occupation, but Bulgaria is only eleven percent Muslim. Um, do you have a sense of why that happened? Was was I understand that conversion was not required; it wasn't forced. There might have been some practical reasons why some people converted, but do you have a sense of why it, Christianity had a stronger foothold in Bulgaria than in Bosnia? Yeah, that that that's a good question, and. Uh I'm going to answer hypothetically. I'm not 100% sure, uh, Ron, but uh, that's my belief. Uh, um, as I mentioned, Bulgaria had this uh, very rich and Asian history. So um, 
the national pride was very strong uh, in in the country and uh, and big part of uh, of the population um had this uh, um um how should i say it, it the, the, the the pride and the national identity that was very deeply rooted um and it developed like this over a long period of time over the time of greatness of the country and despite the fact that it was uh, um at that time um uh, put to their knees by the Ottomans, people still had uh, this uh, uh, strong belief uh, into the culture, into the religion, into the language. Um, and I would say that probably this is one of the darkest part of our history. Maybe only the communism later was uh, something comparable with this. But the uh, early years of uh, the Ottoman invasion was brutal. There was a lot of... Uh, um, violence and uh, there was a an, an strong intent to convert most of the population mm. into um, Islam. Uh, but since they couldn't manage it from the very beginning, I think that over time they realized that if they need to rule the territory, they need to soften a little bit the blow uh, and disallow uh, the opportunity for the Bulgarians to preserve their national identity together with the language uh, and and the religion, and I think that this helped us mm. over these five hundred years to preserve ourselves as an independent nation and eventually to gain later our freedom again. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, you mentioned the, the communist or the Soviet communist occupation, and uh, well, okay. Before we get to that, if we're, if we're going chronologically, I wanted to ask you and talk to you about the fact that um, in World War II, even though Bulgaria was technically an Axis country, I guess probably forcibly, Bulgaria and maybe Denmark were the two countries that were able to um, save maybe the majority of the Jewish population of those countries. Yeah, well, that that's right, Ron. And uh, I would say that this is one of the biggest reasons for pride that we have uh, historically. Because obviously this hasn't been an easy uh, decision and and it hasn't been necessarily decision of the government. It was really the the the, the population that managed to to influence in that level. Because if you think about it, uh, Bulgaria at that time, after we got our freedom from the Ottomans, we had uh, two kings, and they both of them. Uh, were connected to the Austrian Empire. Mm. Um, so Ferdinand I and then his son uh, Boris. So with Ferdinand, Bulgaria was on the side of Germany during the World War I. We have lost a lot of territories. Yeah. And then uh, during the Second World War, his son Boris III uh, was ruling the country. So based on the fact that they were coming from Austria, this was a strong influence deciding the connection to Germany. Um, our economy was dependent heavily on Germany at that time. Um, and we have been on the side of the Axis. In 1941, yeah. Germany actually helped us to uh, uh, expand again Bulgaria. So territories that were lost during, after the uh, First World War and the Balkan Wars were gained back, like part of uh, uh, um, Greek Thracia and uh, um uh, part of Yugoslavia, uh, they, the, the Yugoslavia and Macedonia were gained back. What happened, though, was that, as in all the rest of the European countries, uh, the Jews was uh, prosecuted and they were chased. Um, 
And in these newly occupied territories, Bulgaria didn't actually save their Jews. They deported them from there. So 11,000 Jews were sent to Poland and most of them probably perished there. What happened after that, though, was since this happens, uh, in the rest of the Bulgarian territory, the, the population uh, started to protest very actively against the government. And they were telling that they are not ready to send their Jewish away. There were additional 50,000 Jews in Bulgaria at that time. And it's not that they were saved completely. They were still having a hard time because nearly 20,000 of them uh, were chased out from Sofia into the rural part of the country. So I wouldn't claim that their life was easy, Mm. but they survived. And in 1945, after the end of the war, the number of Jews was still 50,000 in Bulgaria. Now, what happened after that, I think that most of us know, was that about three years later, uh, because of the influence of uh, of Britain, all 35,000 of them went to Palestine and later this became Israel. Mm-hmm. But they were saved, 50,000 Jews. So the Bulgarian people, I guess, protected them as much as they could? Is that how this... This is true. There were multiple petitions that were written at that time uh, to the government uh, because Boris III has already put in motion uh, the deportation for the Jews. So they, oh, it was the... Uh, it was intellectuals, members of the parliament, members of the clergy of yeah. the of the church at that time. They all start to advocate yeah. for uh, delaying the deportation, and they managed to delay it till 1944, when there was an active coup. In 1943, Boris III died, oh. and then uh, in 1944 there was uh, a military coup, and Bulgaria actually switched uh, uh, parts, and uh, we went on the side of Russia. And this is how the, the the war ended in 1945. We have been on the part of, uh, of Russia at that yeah. time. Yeah. But this delay of deportation saved the Jews in Bulgaria. And the delay was caused by the simple citizens, not the government. Now that's interesting. You should be proud of that. Um, have there been movies made about that in Bulgaria or books written, as far as you know? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I haven't seen a Bulgarian movie that was done about this, but there were several other movies. And uh, I've been recently seeing that uh, there have been articles, even here in U.S., I think in the Boston University, there was uh, um, an exhibition recently that was uh, depicting uh, and that was explaining uh, what has happened in Bulgaria at that time. So really a, a big, big source of pride for us. You should be proud. Okay, why don't we take a first short break. Now, um, I I wanted to talk about um, Bulgaria under communism, but I don't want to open that can of worms if we have to take a break in 30 seconds. So let's just take a break here and we'll come back and we'll pick this up. You're listening to Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL. Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL. Stories of New Americans. Brought to you in part by Arnell's Hardwoods. For all of your laminate and hardwood flooring needs, call them at 314-397-3252. Stories of New Americans. Brought to you in part by the Indoor Comfort Team. For all of your heating and cooling needs, call the Indoor Comfort Team at 314-230-9542. Hallstein, 
This is Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL. Okay, we're back with Mladen Radoyev from Bulgaria. We're talking about uh, Bulgarian history right now. And we mentioned that after the war, after World War II, Bulgaria became part of what we would call an Iron Curtain country um, under the Soviet influence. And I guess you might have been too young to have experienced the worst years of that, but I think your parents probably did. I, I imagine they, they the did. 50s were probably maybe the 60s. Do you remember um, stories that they told you about when they're, I guess, when they were children in those days, how how things were changed or how things got tough? Yeah. Well, um, I personally haven't experienced that much, though I have my own memories. Uh, um, I was born in 1979, so it has been—so um, I've been living behind the Iron Curtain for about 12, well, 15 years. Yeah. Um, but I was very young, so being, being a kid, uh, it was not evident uh, mm-hmm. what was happening in the country. But when I was growing up, uh, I, all these stories that you are mentioning, Ron, were told to me. And uh, um, my family, my wife's family, we have been all impacted uh, yeah. uh, at that time uh, when all this has happened. Um, my father grew up as an orphan, uh, only with a mom. And the reason was because of this. Uh, he, he, he was born in a fairly uh, wealthy family. Uh, my grandfather that I never know um, used to have uh, a, a, a large farm with a lot of equipment. Uh, and when the communists came, uh, everything was uh, privatized, not privatized, but at that time, yeah, it was taken away uh, for the for for the country. So all the private owners, uh, industrialists, uh, uh, farmers, they lost everything that they had. And uh, because of this, a few years later, uh, my uh, grandfather passed away, uh, leaving uh, his daughter and uh, his son, my dad. Um, alone with uh, with his wife. My dad was three years old at that time. Um, what has happened to um, the grand-grandfather of my wife uh, was even worse at that time because uh, he has been uh, an officer um, in, uh, with, uh, of, in, in the army of Boris III at that time. Uh, very well-educated uh, um, uh, individual, but... Um, he was killed on the street, and uh, um, and that was realized by the family much, much later. At that time, um, they were uh, chasing his wife at that time and uh, going back, asking her where he is. Uh, initially, she was looking for him, and they were telling her that uh, he has been seen in particular parts of the country, uh, and that uh, after that he moved away, uh, and they were going repeatedly back to her to ask her her where he is, and uh, that uh, she's trying to hide him. Uh, all this uh, kind of uh, uh, really torture of the individual without any reason it has been happening, and this is only in our family. They were family that suffered yeah. even more. But um, I, I mentioned probably two darkest periods in the country. One was at the beginning of the Ottoman slavery and the other, I would say, was at the beginning of the communism in Bulgaria because 
there have been uh, genocide for all the intellectuals, all the wealthy people. Uh, During communism? Yes. It was really, they were, they were uh, sent back uh, for very hard labor in concentration camps during communism, yeah. uh, and many of them uh, lost their lives there. But you, you were born in 79, and so when, by the time you were in school, things were po- hopefully a little bit better? Oh, yeah, significantly. I mean, things calmed down after that. Uh, but what was the price? I mean, right. m- most of the well-educated, uh, active people, they were smashed uh, mm-hmm. by uh, this new governmental system. Well, that had um, to have affected the economy, too, if they got rid of all the intellectuals, as you said. and. I, I, I think it did significantly. People. Yeah, and it, I mean, there were two things. Obviously, the, the the plant economy as an idea could be great, but it never could be put in a practice mm-hmm. correctly. Uh, and then um, with the loss of uh, so much of a brain power, yeah. uh, the country suffered after that significantly. Yeah. Now, when I was growing up, I didn't see any of this. I didn't feel anything of this. Yeah, we were growing up probably in a little bit uh, um, uh, poorer society, but you know, as a kid, you I never I never knew anything better. It has been significantly later yeah. once things start to change that we got this exposure to yeah. different things, and uh, you start to realize, well, maybe there is a world out there that is different and better from what we are growing up in, but you know, we didn't know about it. It was an iron curtain, right? Yeah. That's why it was called this way. I'll never forget. I think I was probably in middle school or junior high school when I saw this advertisement about, do you know about um, Radio Free Europe and the Voice of America? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were, I guess, supposedly broadcasting, you know. Yeah, Radio Free Europe. I mean, many of the people that were uh, more rebellious at yeah. that time were trying to listen, but uh, it was uh, it it was not legal. Well, yeah, that, the, the the advertisement I saw that article or something about Radio for Europe or Voice of America. There, I'll never forget this picture they had connected with this advertisement, and there was a picture of a I don't know where they were from, a Eastern European family, kind of huddled around a radio. I, maybe I told you that before, and um, just like listening to that is their their only connection to the outside world. I, it yeah. just was such a striking image for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it, this has been the, the way to, to try to understand what is happening in the world yeah. out of the Iron Curtain. And uh, I think that there were other countries than Bulgaria that was much more open at that time and so were too. trying. Uh, and this was uh, Eastern Germany. This was uh, Czech Republic. Yeah. It was Poland. Uh yeah. You know, at that time, the influence, it was stronger there. Bulgarian has been very, very uh, obedient to Russia, yeah. uh, unfortunately, yeah. at that time. And uh, we've been very loyal to them yeah. um, from a government standpoint. Yeah. But even then, there were people that realized that that's not the right way. And they were trying and, and hoping for something different. Well, let's talk about your childhood. Um, where, where in the country were you born? What, what city did you live in? Um, I was born in Dobrich. That is uh, northeastern part of Bulgaria, Bulgaria, very close to the Black Sea, uh, close to the border with Romania. The Sonitsa that you mentioned as one of the oldest cities is not very far away from mm. Dobrich. It's about 50, 60 kilometers, something like 30 miles away. Mm. 
Uh, so this is where I was born. It's a very agricultural area, a lot of uh, row crops grown there. Um, I ended up later in agriculture myself, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful part of the country, especially on the seaside there. Was it a happy childhood mostly? Oh yeah, I, as as I told you, I mean everything that we mentioned about the difficulties during the communism, they were not evident for the kids. Um, so it was safe at that time. Uh, you know, I was playing outside in the street with a bunch of friends uh, from, especially during the summer holidays, uh, all day long, right? You could do everything that you can imagine. What did you do for fun? Play soccer, go fishing? Well, going fishing, not that much because, uh, you know, I was living close to the seaside, but not at the seaside. But Mm -hmm. you could do it if you are there. But yeah, playing soccer on the street, that was number one all the time. Thinking about you know, hide-and-seek, tech, and mm-hmm. it was no without supervision, absolute freedom. Honestly, mm-hmm. things that we've done, I wouldn't let my kids do it right <laughs> now from a safety, precocious standpoint because yeah. there were these big constructions at that time, you know, think about a block of mm-hmm. six, seven stories, uh, half-built half and a bunch of kids going there to play mm. hide-and-seek, right? Yeah. Wouldn't do it. Now, but at that time, we could. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was safe, too. It was safe. Not a lot I of mean, crime. Yes. I mean, probably these were two good things during communism. It mm-hmm. was very safe. The crime level was extremely low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the education system was really good. Um, did you learn English or study English as a elementary or high school student? I, I Yes, high school, that's for sure. In elementary school, uh, no, I started in middle school. In elementary school, I started with Russian. As I mentioned, when I started during the, when, you were, when we were behind the Iron Curtain, studying lang- um, Western European languages, it was possible, not that typical. And usually it used to start in high school. German was a big thing there mm. because of Eastern Germany. And then Russian was a mandatory mandatory, uh, mandatory oh. as soon as you are in fourth grade. That oh. means even elementary school, you are starting to be exposed to Russian. Mm. And then after time change uh, in the... 1992, I think, I switched to English, and then I started to study in an English language school in high school. Do you remember how the United States was um, described or depicted in in history books or from your teachers at that time before communism ended? Well, you can imagine that the propaganda was really active at that time, right? It was a big part of the whole story, so... I wouldn't say that the image of U.S. Uh, was very pretty. Um, you remember some of the specific things they said I, about America? Well, uh, at that time, it was mostly in, in, in movies uh, and uh, in, in few books. But uh, the focal point was around the oppression of the working society uh, by the capitalist. Uh, and then there was a lot of uh, things that were spoken about uh, the Native American and the Afro-Americans and the discrimination and mm-hmm. the genocide that they were put on in U.S. So this was the picture of U.S. It was oppression of the working society and difficulties of the people of color here. And then how was the Soviet Union depicted? Was that must have been well? The they were they were our sa- they were the big brother and our saviors from the Ottoman, from the German, and uh-huh. uh, you can imagine of the military power of. Uh, of Russia was untouched, and yeah. uh, all their soldiers were cunning and clever and great. Well, then, 
communism ended in 91, 92? Yeah, in, yeah, it was 1989, 1989 I think, when the Iron Curtain fo- fell. Uh, and after that, it was the 1991 and two that things starts to change. Do you remember how things changed? Do you have any images in your mind about... Yeah, well, I mean, I remember the, the, the general feeling of freedom and hope and the people were out on the street and trying to push out the, the old way and wow. think about the democracy. One of the things uh, that is that Bulgaria at that time used to be proud of, and maybe it was a good thing, but now when I think politically, I'm not sure about it. It was the so-called soft revolution. Many of the Eastern European countries at that time changed their government violently. Mm. We did not. But what happened was that, obviously, knowing what is going on, they managed to um, take significant amount of uh, uh, money away from the country uh, and they, the, the previous the, the, government? Yes, really? the, the Communistic Party and the people involved in it. So um, oh. uh, there was a, a strong uh, uh, flow out of capital from the country. Uh, and I would say that uh, several years later, they came back as, as investors. And, oh. uh, and this slowed down uh, the real uh, change in Bulgaria significantly because the, the communists came later as socialists and they took over again the country. And even now there is quite a bit of influence. It is very different, but they very cunningly managed to take out capital, hide themselves for a while, and then come back with another face, either with children or through other people investing in the country and again taking over. That's the soft revolution. Oh, and that's where we are now? Yeah, I would say that even now, politically, it's it's pretty complex situation in mm-hmm. the country. Um, I think that uh, we have been much, much slower in the way that uh, yeah. we uh, changed and evolved politically. If this has not happened, it would have been different, maybe. Mm. Um, now, in under communism, well, yeah, I guess under communism, you were you were... 10, 11, 12 years old. Did you, you and your family ever have a chance to travel to other countries in maybe Eastern or Western Europe? I personally did not travel with them. My parents did. Uh, guess where? They've been twice in Russia. And interestingly, the second time that they went there was during Chernobyl. By chance? or By chance. They, oh. Obviously, they didn't know. And they've been there. They did not have any information what is going on. So they have been in hotels, they've been opening windows, and the radiation was there and nobody told were them they anything. In, near Chernobyl or like Moscow or they were I think I think that they were actually in Kiev at that time, in and current Ukraine. Are you saying that the media or the government purposely kept them yes. unaware? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It was it was kept hidden. And then they went to Greece. Uh, which was a big thing because that was oh, out from the Iron Curtain. It was very, very difficult to go there. Um, and they came back with presents that were kind of, wow, you have never seen stuff like this or you have seen them only in special shops. They were called Corecom. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nice, beautiful jeans, colorful T-shirts, colors that you don't know. You know, but you haven't <laughs> seen with clothes. Wow. <laughs> so things like this. And these were the, the small <clears throat> nuggets and, and things that were showing you that probably there is uh, another world out there yeah. that is different and maybe better. Wow. 
Okay. Why don't we take another short break here, and then we're going to talk about your journey to America. All right. You're listening to Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL. Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL. Stories of New Americans. Brought to you in part by Samim Afghan Restaurant, featuring traditional Afghan cuisine and conveniently located on Manchester Road in the Grove. Stories of New Americans. Brought to you by Hacking Law for individuals who want to come and stay in the U.S. Hacking Law fights for immigrants every day. Visit them at hackingimmigrationlaw.com. This is Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL. All right, welcome back. We're talking with Mladen Radoyev from Bulgaria. Let's talk about how and when and why you came to the United States. How did that happen? Well, uh, it has been nearly 10 years now, nine. It was... uh, uh, 2014, when we came here with the whole family, and I came here for business. Um, I did PhD in Germany. Uh, I'm a geneticist and plant breeder uh, by training, uh, and I was working for the Legacy Monsanto company in Italy. That's an American company. The head office was here in St. Louis, and it was a natural career progression that brought me here. I was really very, very happy to grasp the opportunity and uh, relocate here with the family in 2014. Okay, so this just kind of just happened naturally. You didn't set out to Yes, come uh, here. I, I mean, um, growing up back in communistic Bulgaria and after that uh, going through the economic difficulties of the country um, – it has been part of my plan to think about Western Europe or other parts of the world to continue to progress yeah. uh, and raise up a family in better economic conditions. Yeah. I have never thought exactly if it's going to be U.S. or if it's going to be Germany or whatever, wherever. Um, I had the opportunity to, to study in Germany and uh, from there – uh, when I was graduating, uh, my horizon was wide open. So I've been looking for opportunities in Germany. Uh, I ended up, uh, I, I was interviewing for positions in France. I ended up in Italy. Uh, and from that point on, working for an American company, this is when I decided that eventually I will come here because uh, I could see uh, all the opportunities, uh, how the business is developing, how large the market is. And then that was my second language. I uh, studied uh, English uh, in high school. In all the other places where I used to go, um, I had to study the language yeah. from scratch. And it hasn't been easy. I mean, I studied uh, in English in, in Germany, but uh, to survive in the country, you, you, you learn the language. It was the same in Italy. So actually, it was uh, really a relief coming to a new country where we were speaking the language. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you came directly to St. Louis then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, yeah, we came nine years uh, ago here and we have ever been, ever since been here. And did you have, 
anybody helping you get settled here? Maybe the, your company or did you have any friends here before you came? Yeah, I didn't have friends here. I had a lot of colleagues uh, oh. that I knew and they were very, very helpful. But uh, the in reality, it was the company who was helping me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were um, very generous at that time and uh, specific relocation package uh, that was standard benefit. Uh, so it was very, very helpful mm-hmm. for my wife, for the kids. And uh, this is when I met you for the first time as well, right? Yeah, yeah. What were some of the cultural differences you've noticed here? What were some of the things that were difficult or strange? Or Well, I think that the toughest part when you immigrate somewhere is the first time when you move away from your country. Yeah. And for me, that was 10 years earlier when yeah. I moved to Germany for my wife yeah. uh, as well when we moved to Italy. So we came here already prepared and being fairly culturally intelligent. So we were expecting something different and it wasn't something shocking, right? Uh, there were small things that were you know, interesting. I mean, the, cow, the, the car culture, for example. Car you, culture? Yeah, I mean, just going everywhere by car, not having a city center where you can go and walk and sit at a yeah. cafe. Uh, that was that was definitely different. Uh, the residential style of living, being away from downtown, that yeah. was something else that was different. But yeah. again, these were all things that we had some expectations that will happen. So it wasn't necessarily very, very shocking. It was uh-huh. just different. Yeah. Did you feel welcome here by Americans, by your colleagues and by your neighbors? Oh, yeah, I, I, we did, especially, I mean, by the colleagues, there is a company culture that is parallel to the culture in the country. So it's different. Um, but also, you know, just neighbors and people everywhere that where you go, I have never felt unwelcome, actually. Sometimes in Western Europe, coming from Eastern Europe after the whole Iron Curtain, you could feel more discrimination there than, than I have felt here. Actually, here I have never felt discriminated, to be honest, never. Um, and Americans in general are very friendly. Now, is it easy to make friends? I don't know. Honestly, most of my friends are immigrants as well, if I have to be honest. Um, so... There is different type of cultures that you can think about. And uh, I lived in Germany and uh, they're telling them that the style of the people is walnuts while here they are peaches. And the difference is that with a walnut type of culture, it's a very hard shell. It's very difficult to penetrate. But once you penetrate, you have friends forever. Here you can strike a conversation on the street very, very easily. People are very friendly. They are very soft. They are easy to communicate. They are curious like a peach, but then you get to a certain point and you can't go further. I've never heard that. And, that's a great analogy. But, but that, that's, that's true, Ron. Yeah. And this is what we have felt as well. It's very easy to connect to people, but it's not that easy to make friends. Hmm. Interesting. Um, when you tell people that you're from Bulgaria, when you tell Americans that, do they, do they know much about Bulgaria? Do they have questions? Do they, yeah. what are they? That, that's interesting. Usually they don't know where it is. Several times I'm saying, where do you come from? I say, Bulgaria. Ah, Bolivia, okay. <laughs> but um, um, but it's not always the case. There, there have been people that, uh, you know, I, I usually expect that they're not going to know where it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was chatting, uh, um, it was a few years ago now, um, and it was the Pedal the Coast. Uh, uh, 
And I just sat on a table. There was a person there. He asked me, ah, where do you come from? Where your accent comes from? Um, and I said, Bulgaria. And he said, oh, great country. And uh, turned out that he was working uh, uh, on a ship in the Danube River. So mm. he knew a lot about Europe okay. and all the countries along the Danube River, including Bulgaria as well. So it's just different. Yeah. And, and St. Louis is a melting pot by itself. And there are yeah. so many different foreigners here. Yeah. So there are people that know. Well, how large is the Bulgarian community in St. Louis? Do you know? I don't know, but it's fairly big, Ron. I really? think that several thousands of people probably live here. And uh, um, there are different places where you can meet people. Um, you know about one of them, uh, the Bulgarian Orthodox Church in uh, Madison, uh, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is There used to be a Bulgarian school there was a Bulgarian folk group. So mm. people are organizing and, uh, you know, during Christmas holidays, during different uh, religious holidays, uh, you know where you can meet people if you mm. want to. Mm-hmm. Do you go back to visit Bulgaria? I guess your parents are there still? Yeah, my parents are still there. My wife's parents are there. Um, How has it changed since you've been gone? There are certain if things that didn't necessarily change a lot. We were joking the last time, uh, uh, for example, the... The highway infrastructure in general, uh, roads are in pretty poor conditions. Oh. They have always been like this, yeah. never changed. Some things never changed. But uh, some of the large cities actually uh, are getting uh, really modern and nice. Uh, if, if you think about Sofia, I would say it's a European capital by itself. Um, there are parts that were still uh, influenced by communism and architecture, but there are other parts that are developing very, very quickly and, and well. And uh, um, other large cities like Varna, Plovdiv, Burgas. Uh, uh, so the, camp, the, the country is progressing uh, slowly, but uh, there were so many things that kind of set Bulgaria back over time that it's difficult to catch up to the level that I would like it to, to develop. I read that um, the population has dropped from 9 million in 1989 to 6.5 million today. Yeah, that, that's is right. That, and that is that because of a brain drain? People, I think we mentioned that before. People are just leaving to go to maybe Western Europe. It's, Bulgaria is part of the European Union, I guess. and Yeah. So yeah. people are <clears throat> heading west for jobs. Is that what's happening? Yes, but not only, I guess. I think that uh, we have a significant uh, uh, negative growth by really? itself. And, um, That's a huge right, uh, right after the communism, I, I mentioned we went through this time of uh, economic uh, uh, crisis and people were really concerned about what could they give to a kid in terms yeah. of uh, lifestyle, education. So many families chose to have only one kid instead of two or three, that was very typical prior. Uh, And this had a significant impact by itself. And then on top of this, there was a very, very significant uh, immigration out of the country. Yeah. And again, that was uh, another wave of brain drain in the country. I mentioned the first one during the communism. The second one was right after that most of the educated people uh, that were active, managed to to go out and build a better life out of the country. And they are not very, very willing to go back, honestly. I have heard for very few examples of people that build a family and their life uh, uh, in Western Europe or or here in the U.S. and chose to go back in Bulgaria. It's seldom. Not so many. No. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, What are some typical Bulgarian foods? 
Oh, that's a good question. And that's a typical question that I I get here. Um, Well, the Bulgarian food is significantly influenced by the countries around. Uh, I mean, Turkey, Greece, in general, the Mediterranean cuisine. Um, So a lot of vegetables, a lot of meats or stews are typical. Um, We're proud with some salads that in general you would say, What's so important about the salad? I can tell you that you go in the country and you have vegetables that are grown there with cheese, and it's great. That's mm. the Shopska salad. Shopska salad. Okay. Uh, yes. Otherwise, uh, we have uh, the the moussaka or sarmi that are typical for uh, Greece. Sarmi uh, is Turkey. that stuffed? It is cabbage? stuffed uh, cabbage leaf, stuffed cabbage leaves, or stuffed mm-hmm. uh, grape leaves. Mm-hmm. You can have both, yeah. and you can mix them with rice only, or with rice and uh, minced meat. Yeah, um, and then you have a lot of stews as well. Now there is a Bulgarian restaurant, kind of like a restaurant deli in St. Louis, right? Uh, there is a, there is a deli. It's it's called uh, Balkan Store, I think. Yes, and uh, they have a part where they are just uh, selling goods and uh, there is a daily part as well, which is pretty tasty. Yeah. Is it authentic, would you say? It is. It is authentic. It's owned by Bulgarian and I know that they are cooking in there, so this it's is authentic. olive and ballast, kind of? Uh, it is uh, on, yes, it is olive and 141. Oh, it's okay. close to Olifant 141. Okay. Uh, it's nothing fancy. It's not a restaurant. It's a deli, but the yeah. food is good. Yeah. And a little groceries. Yeah, too. yeah. Um, if I were to go to Bulgaria, what place should I go to visit? Ooh, so it's a small country, mm-hmm. but it's very diverse, and I would say it, it's the nature in Bulgaria is very beautiful. So you can have uh, from the beaches to the east uh, to the uh, dome style mountains to the southwest uh, to the uh, very old style mountains that are more hilly. Uh, in the Rodopi mountain area to the south, close to the border with uh, with 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 Greece. Um, so where to go? I would say if you want to go for cultural tourism, you need to go to the big cities like the capital, Sofia, Plovdiv, oldest city in Europe. Mm. Um, and then Varna, Burgas are nice. If you want to really go to the beach, uh, experience uh, sunny weather, sandy beaches, uh Nice nightlife. Then go to the eastern part uh, along along the uh, uh, the coast of the Black Sea, mm-hmm. um, and then in the mountains uh, during the winter you have a pretty nice ski resort. I I personally don't ski, uh, but it's a very beautiful area in Pomporovo, Borovets, Bansko. Uh, during the summer you can go there just to to go on trails or go in the woods. Uh, a lot of different things. Difficult part. Just to get from one point to the other, roads mm. are not so nice. Mm. But you can always rent a car and experience. Okay. What is the best and worst thing about living in the United States? Wow, that's a that's a tough one. The best thing, I think how well the life is organized. And uh, people are just following the rules and, and I like this, right? So you have an easy style of life from my perspective um, and you have opportunities, so it's it's just a nice place to raise up a family. And you've um, got two little boys, right? Two I, children? I, I have two two boys. One is uh, um, 13, the other is 10 now. So have when they we, forgotten Bulgarian? 
Unfortunately, yes, they speak with pretty heavy American <laughs> English accent. Um, worst thing living in US that that's that's a that's a tough one. Um, well, I mean, I chose to to live here myself, so I can't really call it out. I I I start to experience few disappointment recently because of political system and the divide that I'm seeing uh, between the people like that I never expected that will happen yeah, uh, in a strong uh developed democracy like US. That that was a surprise recently. I think a lot of people are surprised about that. Yeah. Um any Final words of wisdom, anything you want to say to the listeners, anything that you, anything else you maybe noticed about the United States or St. Louis? Well, I don't know words of wisdom, but uh, first of all, maybe just because we're right before Thanksgiving, I would like to wish everybody happy holidays here. And maybe in this train of thoughts, don't lose your pioneering spirit right? Mm. Stay curious. You have it in your genes. This is how the country started. So be curious, um, explore, learn more about different uh, uh, different uh, people and different countries, but don't learn about them from interviews like this. Just go on your own if you can, travel there, um, leave a little bit uh, the comfort behind and try to go for Full immersion. Don't don't search for Burger King, McDonald's, or or Starbucks. They just explore and and yeah, and feel. I agree. Words to live by. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Vlad, and this has been a really interesting talk with you. I appreciate you coming down and sharing your thoughts and story with us. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to Stories of New Americans on News Talk STL one hundred one point nine. Stories of New Americans with Ron Clutho on News Talk STL 101.9.